Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 275 with Dan Kleiser. How are you, Dan? Good, Dale. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure, mate. Now, before we get off, what's in the last seven days, what's the thing you're most proud of that you've done or you've achieved or has happened to you? In the last seven days, this past weekend, uh, my wife and I went to the Philadelphia Folk Festival, uh, which is a big mu- music festival in, in, uh, just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, it, it was just a great experience. Um, we met so many incredible people. Um, you know, people who were just, you know, all different cultural backgrounds, but just were there enjoying the music. Um, got to reconnect with a friend of mine who plays the drums for uh, uh, band Michael Fronte and Spearhead, Monocytena, and uh, got to do a, a podcast with him on site in our RV, which was a lot of fun. Um, but overall, it was just, it was a great, uh, just a great weekend. So I, I think what I accomplished was really just enjoying the uh, the weekend and the festivities and, and meeting new people and being around some some really awesome human beings. I I love that and I suppose that's where today I really want to talk about because you know you, I want your story Dan because I think so many people you know we put things off you know we we say oh I'll do that later or and I call it green bananas you don't buy green bananas because you can't eat them you want to live in the present you want to do things now because we don't know what's around the corner and. If the last two and a bit years hasn't taught us that, Dan, I don't know what will, that you need to live life now because that is what you've got. The future may not occur. So why did you decide to sell everything up and, you know, live full-time in an RV and travel around it? Well, obviously to go to festivals and things like you're doing there, but what was what was the catalyst that, you know, made you go, no, enough's enough, I'm going to do that? Um. It's kind of funny because it's not something that I dreamed of. You know, it wasn't like this was a bucket list thing. Um, My mom in her mid 40s had uh, taken an old 1967 Plymouth Valiant, took the back seat out of it and stuck a sheet of plywood in there and a mattress and traveled around the country and just reconnected with friends and family. Um, After she kind of graduated from the Valiant, she bought a little Toyota camper (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and did the same thing. She uh, reinvented herself and went back to school to become a uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation counselor. And she did a lot of volunteer work. She would go to uh, hurricane relief efforts and she volunteered up at Ground Zero after 9-11 for about six or uh, six or nine months, something like that. And, uh, you know, so I always admired her story, but I never, ever envisioned it to be my story. And then in 2019, I took two solo road trips. Uh, one to Dallas, Texas, and then came back through Louisiana and uh, back to Pennsylvania, where we you know, were originally from. And about a month and a half after that, I did the same thing down to Orlando, Florida. Um, stopped in Atlanta, Georgia on the way, uh, reconnected with one of my old baseball players, and then went back to Pennsylvania. And it was on those two trips that were really the first time in my life that I kind of took my time and truly enjoyed the journey. Um, I, I connected with people. Uh, people I hadn't seen in a while, uh, old friends, uh, family members. And, uh, you know, on those two trips, there was kind of this like aha moment as to, man, I, I think I just figured out why mom did what she did. And then 
when I got back to Pennsylvania, I was in the process of adding 10 new chapters to a book that I had published in 2012, The Beauty of a Diamond Through the Eyes of a Coach. And with what I was doing in my organization, I mean, I, I would put in, you know, 80, 90 hours a week. Uh, so it was really tough to, to sit down and write. And when I got back, um, I had written like I hadn't written in years. And that was really kind of what put me over the edge. And it really almost seemed as though, you know, there is a, a voice telling me, you know, um, you know, God was telling me like, it's time for a new chapter. Um, and I, I didn't embrace it at first um, because I loved the work that I was doing. You know, I don't want people to think that I was in like some dead end nine to five job. Like I really loved what I was doing. It was a, you know, nonprofit organization that I had founded and I'd spent 30 years there. So this was my baby. So to accept the fact to close that chapter and open a new one was not something I embraced easily. Um, but it really did seem like, uh, you know, again, uh, a message from God saying, you know, there, there's other work to do. You did plenty of work here. Now there's other work to do and you can touch more people through writing and storytelling, which is, you know, I had hosted a podcast for the organization um, but I wanted to, when we started this new chapter, I wanted to host another, you know, a different podcast, to be able to tell the stories of the people that we met along the way. And, you know, that was one thing when my mom passed away that I, you know, I thought as I, we went back through her journals and, um, you know, photo albums and stuff like that, um, how cool it would have been for her to do it in the day and age of social media and be able to tell those stories. So I wanted to kind of add you know, our own personal spin on that to be able to tell the stories of the, the people that we have met along the way. And that's, uh, you know, that's what we've been doing. I've been, uh, I've been able to, I did republish the beauty of a diamond through the eyes of a coach last July. And then, uh, since then I've added another book to my portfolio, uh, the journey of my mother's son, volume one. And, uh, you know, I, I blog and I, um, do podcasts and tell tell other people's stories because I think that everyone has a story and I think that they can all be inspirational. And that's really why I enjoy storytelling through podcasts. I just think that um, you know storytelling can be so powerful and, and can really be you know life changing. And I love being part of this podcast community. I think it's a community where we we lift each other up. It's very similar to the RV community. Um, there's no competition amongst hosts or anything like that. People are very open to share information and share tips. And again, we, we lift each other up. And I, I love being part of this this podcast community. So um, that's kind of where we got to where we are today. I, I love that. And and I do agree. I think uh, there are so many people out there trying to help each other now. And, and learning through story is something that it's been proven. Um, I'm an ex-teacher and that's Kids don't get told what to do. They build a narrative and they want to learn through it. And essentially that's what you've been doing. So I want to go back a bit though, because, you know, when you're grinding away, even if you love your job and I can speak highly of this, it, it's very hard to step outside of that, you know, 80, 90 hours a week, Dan, because you're so, you just, you go, go, go. You don't actually have time, you know, like you did to step away and go on your couple of trips and it gives you clarity, but still even then with that clarity, I'm guessing how hard it was for you to finally make that decision that, you know, that you need a change, that you need to mix it up. Like that must've been a few demons going in your head, mate, like to finally pull the trigger. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it was, 
you know, it was probably a couple months long process till till I kind of came to grips with it and said, okay, this this is what we're going to do. And then I had to get my wife on board. <laughs> so, so she had her own set of demons that she had to go through it in her mind as well. Um, but yeah, one, once I kind of made the decision, I, I ran it by her and she thought I had completely lost my mind. Um, wanted no parts of the idea. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, you know what? I love, you know, what your mom had done as well. But again, that was her story. It's not supposed to be our story. But then she had some stuff going on in her life professionally, um, doors that were not opening that we expected um, would have been open for her, um, you know, years prior to this discussion even taking place. And, um, you know, one day she came home from work and just had enough and was like, you know what, um, I think this is a sign if this, you know, if this isn't, uh, if this door is not opened up, I think it's a sign, maybe we should do it. And uh, so we made made that decision, and I had uh, informed my board that that would be my last year, and we just kind of put it put it in motion at, at that point. And then, like every step, um, you know, was was another hurdle. I mean, once we got to the end of 2019, um, you know, we made the decision in January of 2020 to put the house in the market, and then, you know, two <laughs> months after that, the world shuts down. Um, so. <laughs> We, uh, we actually took, yeah, we actually <laughs> took the house took the house off the market. Um, still went through and purchased the RV in in March of 2020, March 20th of 2020 to be exact. And I'll never forget that day because it was the exact same day that um, the governor of Pennsylvania was issuing the lockdown orders. And uh, you know we're sitting in the dealership with all this uncertainty. You know, not just swirling around us, but the world, uh, yeah. quite frankly. And but still had this really strange sense of peace that we were doing the right thing, that we were making the right decision. Uh, certainly wasn't by the the plan we wrote up, you know, because the the idea wasn't to have a house payment and a and an RV payment for a while. You know, it was sell the house, buy the RV sort of scenario. But we had a got a really good deal on the RV. Um, it was a 2019 leftover, and we got a really really good deal on it. And you know, it had what we needed. So we just, we felt, you know, we're going to pull the trigger and keep moving forward. And then um, as things slowly opened up, um, the house went back on the market. We had like four showings and it was sold. And luckily we had a, a an extended settlement period, which gave us time to get everything in order and get rid of everything. Um, and then in, uh, on August 14th, 2020 is when we, uh, you know, walked out of our house for the last time and jumped in the RV and have never looked back. So it's just over two years now that we've been on the road and the, uh, so the people we've met, you know, I mean, look, I'll be the first to admit our, our world is a, is a messed up world, but let me tell you this, if you're looking for good people, you can find them. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing, you know, that has really given us, you know, I guess restored our hope in humanity is that um, this RV community it's just one of the most incredible communities that you'll ever be part of. And then again, I feel doubly blessed to now, you know, to be part of this podcasting community, which again, is just, again, uplifting and, you know, helping each other out and, and uh, pushing each other along. So um, very, very fortunate to be part of two um, incredibly special communities and really understanding that there are still a lot of good people in this world. We just got to, 
just got to tune out all the garbage and all the noise <laughs> and focus focus on the people who are doing good because there, there's a lot of us out there. So true. And I think uh, that's that relates back to any part of life, Dan, really. If you, if you want to find negative people and, you know, I call them lemon suckers because they'll suck the life out of you and, and any lemon they see. But, like, if you want to gravitate to those people, you will. But if you want to actively seek out and probably put yourself out there, and I suppose that's one of the things I'm guessing with the RV community is that you're constantly stepping outside of your social circle. You're constantly meeting new people. And um, I see so many people now, and fair enough that the pandemic has had a big impact on that social connection, but we don't do things anymore. We're so content with staying at home or we just get nervous in social settings. And I must admit, I, I, I'm not as bubbly like to go somewhere now as what I used to be. But when you're there, mate, it's like nothing ever happened. And I think that would be probably what you're experiencing that because you've sold everything up, you've put yourself out there that your wife and yourself, wherever you go, you've got to put yourself out, meet new people. And that's just magic because the connections that can open up when you allow that to occur, I'm guessing are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's funny is, you know, both my wife and I are, are relatively introverted people. So, you know, it's not like when we would go to a party that we're the we're the ones, you know, in the cent in the center, you know, with everybody <laughs> like us. We're we're usually the ones along the wall, you know, trying to find other people we know. But in this community, it it has um, you know, kind of expanded us and has, you know, really kind of made us, you know, more extroverted and more willing to, you know, go up and talk to somebody and, and have a conversation with um, you know, someone you you've never met before because I guess there's almost like a kind of like an inherent like you know um you know you already have something in common with them if you're you know if they're in an RV, and even if they're not living full-time in an rv you know there's still something in common that you're both where you are at that particular moment um and then we also do a lot of of volunteer work um and that is a lot of other full-time rvers again not a hundred percent but a lot of them so right there as well when when you're with people who are doing the same thing that you're doing and you're you know you're out there and you're rolling up your sleeves and you're getting dirty and you're sweating and you're you know building something that you'll never you know necessarily get the benefits out of you're building it for someone else and then you're going to leave um that's a pretty special feeling and and uh it it is uh and yeah, we, we feel blessed to be able to to be part of, of those communities and Without a doubt. And I think at the end of the day, uh, even as people who are introverted, like we still long for real connection. And it's just like we're not big on small talk and stuff like that, but we want like real connection. And when we find that, we we embrace it and it, it really uplifts us. So you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, humans still want other humans. People need people. Um, and again, I think that's something that the pandemic you know, certainly showed us when that was ripped from us um, for the time that it was. Uh, I think we all, you know, were able to, to step back and say, yeah, you know what, uh, maybe I'm introverted, maybe I'm not the most outgoing person, but I actually do still like connecting with other people. Yeah, and I think what you're saying there is so true, but it's easier sometimes said than done. And I'm sure people are listening to this now, Dan, and going, I I know I need that. Like they understand what they need as a human being, you know, but 
to actually physically do that, it, it's really challenging. So did you get any like anxiety or anything? Like, as you said, your wife and yourself are both pretty introverted. Um, I'm the complete opposite. So for me sitting here, I can't really empathize because I would be that person in the middle of the room. Like, so <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and that's, everyone's different. But so when you were packing everything up and like, it's so exciting, but was there also like, there was, there would have been a lot of nerves because you were leaving everything you knew, you were leaving your community and you were going into the unknown. And how did you sort of overcome that? It, it really was, you know, what I'd like to call faith over fear. Um, Cause there was, you know, it, it, there were definitely times where, you know, you got a little anxious about it and you know, nervous as, as you're going through and, and uh, you know, we were leaving our family, um, you know, and just you know, venturing out into the, the complete unknown at that point. So there was definitely a lot of anxiety, but I guess even with all of that, um, there, there is still just such a weird sense of peace of, you know, knowing that we, we were doing the right thing. And, and one of the things now, as we look back and, you know, kind of connect the dots that has been such an incredible blessing um, for us is that, you know, I've been able to reconnect with a lot of my former players um, that I'd coached over the years who are just, you know, spread out all across um, this country of ours here in the U S and uh, you know, when we get to spend time with them, like it's just, um, it's the icing on the cake of, of everything we've done. It, it shows that, you know, the work that I'd done for 30 years that paid dividends that those, you know, those seeds that we planted were blossoming. And to see these guys out there just doing what they're doing in the world. Um, again, there's not a lot of times you know, when you're, and again, if you're a former teacher, you can probably relate to this. You know, you yeah. have students, they go off and some of them, maybe you see them again, you bump into them. Some of them you never see again. Um, so to be able to see these kids, and again, they're adults now, but I always tell them, you're going to be a kid to me no matter how old <laughs> you are. So just yeah. get used to it. Um, <laughs> but to see these kids and what they're doing in the world today is just so incredibly fulfilling. Um, and, and again, it's not something that that every person in that type of profession, coaching or teaching, gets the opportunity to do. And, you know, when you're sitting there and you're having dinner with these guys and, you know, they say stuff to you like, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it's not what, you know, for what you had taught me on the field. Um, I, I always took the approach in coaching as, you know, teaching life lessons through the game. You know, and we, we stepped on the field. We were playing to win every single game. Um, but that wasn't, it wasn't a win at all cost mentality. It was really making them understand that, you know, there are life lessons to be learned through the game. And, and that was the tool that, that we were using to teach them. So, you know, hear that feedback and to see it in, in motion is pretty special. Yeah. And I, I can, I completely understand what you're saying there. And like you're saying now, if a lot of um, the volunteering work that you're doing now, you're planting seeds that you may not see those trees that people get the shade of, and that's brilliant. But I suppose what you've been able to achieve through your coaching and mentoring over the years now, because you're allowing yourself to go into these situations, you're actually seeing the benefits of those instead of just go, go, go. Um, and, I, and that's gratifying as well. So I absolutely love hearing that. And if anybody is out there and um, it's so nice to reconnect with, you know, people that 
you've had an impact on and hearing their stories and seeing the journey that they've taken. Um, that's, I think that's a beautiful story in itself. So there's been so many high standards, is there any, any lows or any funny stories from um, RVing or any situations that, uh, you know, sort of like, Oh, that was a tricky situation. Uh, shortly after we started, we were uh, going down the highway and uh, a guy had passed us and, there was a, he had a cooler strapped to the top of his car and uh, it was kind of flapping in the wind a little bit. And my wife and I looked at each other and said, I don't think that thing is going to be on its roof for too much longer. <laughs> and no sooner did we, you know, get done saying that to each other, this cooler flies off of his car and we're in the right lane. So he'd passed us and he was up, you know, uh, probably a couple hundred feet in front of us at that point. And the cooler just, you know, bounces all the way across our lane over the shoulder. Um, we didn't hit it or anything, but, um, you know, there's a, a little bit of a pump in the heart rate as, <laughs> as that was happening. Um, had, had a similar situation in, uh, in Virginia on the, on the Blue Ridge Parkway, we were coming down and, uh, a car had, uh, had passed us in a, in a no passing zone nonetheless and hit a pothole and hub, the hubcap, um, flew off of it and to this day i still have no idea how that hubcap didn't hit our rv i mean it must have literally went like right past us with about six inches to spare so because I, I kept one of the things like you're waiting and you're you're listening like okay when's it going to hit how much damage is it going to do and we never heard that hit and we you know we got up to the next lookout again and pulled over just in case and like maybe we didn't hear it and there's nothing wrong at all um those were probably the two you know, kind of scary slash now you can look back and laugh moments. Um, but but really the, the funniest thing, uh, and this is kind of an ongoing thing, so um, is how close people will park to an RV in a parking lot. It, it's mind-blowing to me. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go to a, a Walmart or a grocery store, or whatever the case is, and, and we park as far away as we can because <laughs> we've got to take up four spaces, you know. And my wife goes in and that, that's her opportunity to get her steps in by taking a long walk through the parking lot to the door. And, and you know, sure enough, uh, you know, 80% of the time in a, in a relatively empty parking lot, um, someone will pull in, you know, and again, we're talk, we're parked sideways across the spaces. Someone will pull in right in front of us, giving us no room to move whatsoever and it, it's like it's unbelievable how many times it, it happens and it's 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 comical because it's almost like as she gets out to go into your shopping like we're taking bets you know like okay is somebody gonna park and, and and you look around and there's 200 empty spaces in the parking <laughs> why like what part of you thought this was the best spot you know it's just it's it's, a game. it's, it's, reckon, an, it's yeah, a game people yeah. must play like how close can i get to their RV? <laughs> yeah yeah, so it's uh, I said it's funny at this point because it, it is. It's like we we take bets as to like, all right, how close is someone going to park to us this time? So, so you know, just just my professional tip for anybody out there: if you see an RV in a parking lot, please don't park right in front of them. You know, like they need some they need some space to maneuver that vehicle to to get out. So you know, leave them several spaces between you and them. Um, all right. It would make great, everyone's great life better. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, dude. I like that. So 
When, uh, I suppose, you know, and what I love about your story most is, mate, it wasn't that, like you said, you had a purpose, you were fulfilled, you were you were living living a really passionate life that you're having an impact and um, it's something that you really love that you built up. Um, even if people have that or they don't have that, you know, what advice would you give from what you've learned about, you know, selling up and completely uprooting your life to try something different and move around and put yourself out there and meet new people? And um, what, what advice would you give if people firstly, and maybe, you know, that they're, they're thinking about doing something like this or, yeah, just I suppose from what you've learned, what would you say to people if, you know, the joys that have come from, you know, what you and your wife are doing now? Um, so I think the, you know, the main thing is it's never too late to make a change, you know. So regardless of, you know, what age you are, how much time you think you might have left on this earth, um, it's never too late to, to make a change. Um, and again, that's kind of something I learned from my mom, you know, Again, I mean, she went in her late 40s, went back to school to become a drug and alcohol um, rehabilitation counselor, you know, after working, you know, different career totally leading up to that. Um, but then she went on and made a huge impact in her second, you know, uh, second career, so to speak. Um, and the other thing kind of, you know, along with that is just, uh, and I actually got this from another uh, full-time RVing friends of ours. Uh, they had talked about when they were going through the process of debating whether or not they were going to do it, that they, they pretty much came to the, the conclusion that we're never going to be as young as we are today. Again, I mean, this is literally the youngest we're ever going to be in our life at this point. Um, tomorrow, we're going to be one day older. So, you know, with, with those two you know, schools of thought is that it's never too late by the same token today is as young as we're going to be. Um, just be willing to, to make that change. Um, and it's, it, it will do you good again, regardless of what situation you're in now, whether it's something that's very fulfilling um, like I was in or whether you're in a, a you know completely frustrating career and are looking to make that change, just, just do it. You know, if you need the change, um, make the change. Yeah. And you'll make it work. Have you, have you noticed a, a difference? I suppose you pretty much set off, you know, during the pandemic or towards the end of it for you in the States, have you noticed uh, a lot of similar people in that sort of situation that, you know, the pandemic, as we said, it's a learning curve and an opportunity to change, to grow, um, you know, and mix things up. And, and if there was something that people wanted to do, but had been putting off or said, I'll, I'll wait till I retire or, or something like this. Like, have you found that a lot of other people have got that mentality now that life's for living? And I love that, you know, that you'll never be as young as you are today. Is that something you've noticed? Yeah. Yeah. Um, out of the, the full timers that we have met, uh, I'm amazed at the number who made the same decision that we did in 2020 um and uh i mean when you think about it in the situation that we that we were put in um you know once things slowly started to open up is it we as rvers were really able to kind of get the best of both worlds like we could still socially distance but we could still see all of this amazing incredible beauty that our country has to offer 
Um, so we we really did um, get get a huge benefit by being able to do it. And the, the numbers speak for themselves because the, the RV industry um, in the United States, and I'm assuming maybe worldwide, but definitely in the United States just exploded in, in 2020. I mean, absolutely exploded. Um, so I think that kind of, to you know, speaks for itself. So, so I think that, you know, longing and that itch um, and people understanding that, that anything can be taken away from you at any given moment um, did get a lot of people to, to get out in spring. I mean, when we, when we had first started, I'd heard that the number of people living full time in an RV in the United States was like a million people. Um, it's now up to over 1.5 million and continues to grow. Um, so I, I do think there's a lot of people out there who are just, you know, kind of tired of, of living by the rules that society tells us to that, you know, you, you go to high school and then you go to college and then you, you marry and you have 1.2 kids and you mortgage a house and you put yourself in debt for the rest of your life. And then, you know, hopefully you do enough good that, uh, you know, the, the last 11 years of your life when you're, you know, allowed to stop working and enjoy it, you have enough money to get you through. Um, cause that's, uh, I forget the exact numbers, but I did see a stat somewhere about, you know, retirement age in the United States is you know, 67 um, and average lifespan is like uh, 78, I believe. Um, so like you work all your life, you have 11 years and hopefully you still have your health at that point. And again, quite frankly, enough money to, to get you there. So it really puts it into perspective, you know, that, um, you can still live and, and enjoy life. And if, if there's a silver lining of the pandemic, it's the fact that there are a lot of, um, you know, working RVers out there who are working remotely, um, you know, even like myself and podcasting and, and, you know, writing and stuff. Um, so you don't have to wait until you're retired to do this. There's so many opportunities to be able to work remotely there's a ton of opportunities to be able to do what they call work camping which is you know going in and being like a camp host at a campground for a couple months and they uh you know they give you your site for free or they you know some will even pay you in addition to giving you your site and um so you know money should be the the last factor in making this decision because there's so many ways to, to be able to make it happen with remote work or you're getting some sort of, uh, you know, work camping gig along the way. And just, we, we met a couple in North Dakota where they bounce back and forth between two. Uh, they work in Medora, North Dakota over the summer, um, helping with the Theodore Roosevelt Foundation. And then they go to Texas and, and camp host at a, at a uh, campground in Texas over the winter. And they've been doing that for 20 years. Where they wow. Basically, and they, they leave enough time in between their travel to enjoy a little bit to get there. Um, you know, a couple of weeks. So it's not like they're leaving North Dakota on a Friday and they got to <laughs> be in Texas by, by Monday sort of thing. So they're taking their time. So they're really getting you know, the best of both worlds, um, being able to travel and then also, you know, working and, and uh, earning income along the way. And I think uh, that's the beauty now. There's so many careers and even people's careers that they had previously that they didn't think could work remotely. Their pandemics told them otherwise, and you can work anywhere. And people are realizing that, that, 
if you're happy in a good location, you've got a bit of sun, uh, you're normally more productive anyway than, you know, going into an office or whatever. So I absolutely love that. And that's why, you know, I was really interested to hear your story today, Dan, and um, get a bit more of a perspective on it um, because I feel, yeah, life is for living. And that's why I, in all my keynotes and things, I talk about green bananas, like, don't buy green bananas because you're not going to be able to eat them, you know, and that's the same as putting things off. And like you were saying there, if you're waiting for that 11 years at the end of your life, the chances are that you're probably pretty burnt out from working so much and so hard that you probably don't want to travel and you might not be in the right spirit to do it anyway. So why not do it now? Live life to the fullest. So Dan, where can people find your podcast, your books, um, and just reach out to you? Because I'm sure there's so many people that are like, oh, I love the sound of this, but they want to probably get a little bit more. So where can we go? Yeah, uh, they can find everything they need to know on my website. And uh, it's uh, journeymymotherson.com or danclauser.com. Um, both domains go to the exact same site, but everything is there, whether it's, um, you know, my blogs, uh, ways to get to my my books, purchase my books. Um, if anyone's interested in getting me for speaking engagements or anything like that, all that information is on the website. So really, if you get to the website, everything's there. Podcast links, um, everything is right there on the website. So it's definitely the spot to go. Journeymymotherson.com or danclauser.com. Beautiful. So listeners, if you go to episode number 275, I'll have links to both of Dan's websites where you can go reach out, listen to his podcast, grab a couple of books and book him in for a very inspirational talk. So Dan, thanks so much, mate, for you know sharing what you're doing because um, I know there's so many people that it's something they probably talk about, but they don't actually do. Um, so to hear, you know, and I love that the best part about it is you were so passionate about what you'd already created and what you were doing, um, but you saw that there was more to life um, and you're still living and doing what you want to do anyway. So I think that's great advice for anybody that anybody can do this. It's not just for people, you know, when they're 67 and they retire, that's not just the age, do it now while you can. Um, so yeah, as I said, go and reach out to Dan. I'll have everything in episode two, five, seven, uh, two, seven, five. So Dan, thanks so much for your time, mate. It's been an absolute blast. I loved it, Dale. I appreciate the opportunity.